The church has nothing on the public school system when it comes to child abuse. Let's talk about monkeypox, and uh, everyone should just calm the hell down. And finally, Bill Maher drops the truth in the best possible way. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I have a feeling Kamala Harris is counting the minutes until Joe Biden gets back to the United States. Because you can tell she's kind of trying to run the country, and that means she has to put herself out and make statements, and the Kamalaisms just keep shining through. Everything she says ends up viral. Well, here's our vice president again with another Kamalaism, and I think she's going to, and I think this is probably going to end up being a daily thing. I think she wants to be seen more. And, she, and the problem is, she really is just really bad at speaking. She's a terrible speech giver. She never prepares. You can tell she doesn't prepare. So here she is, uh, talking about the kids. You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. And in that way, we should all feel a direct sense of responsibility. Got that? See, we have a community where there are children, and those children within our community are the children of our community. If the children do not belong to your community, then they belong to another community, which makes them the children of that community. Some children create sub-communities where they choose not to belong to our community or the community that they're supposed to belong to. But that always ends up being a bad thing. You watch movies like The Children of the Corn or Lord of the Flies. Those children created their own community. They didn't want adults as part of their community and kids died. So that was bad. So we should make sure that the children that are part of our community remain the children of our community and... If the children don't belong to our community, we should make sure the children belong to some community somewhere. Jeez. I mean, this gal, she's just a running... A running... Vi- anything she says is a viral moment. And she, you can tell, this is not on the teleprompter. She's just making this crap up. But this wasn't the stupidest thing said yesterday. But it, That was pretty stupid. But this was actually the stupidest thing here. Here's Whoopi Goldberg bitching about the Archbishop in San Francisco banning Nancy Pelosi from being able to take communion. And then flat out just obviously has no idea how the Catholic Church works. Uh, And also, you know, made a comment about the letter that he sent to Nancy Pelosi, but unfortunately failed to mention a couple little things in that letter. And then, you know, telling us what we should believe as Catholics. So here she is going off. Welcome to The View, y'all. The abortion rights battle is starting to blur the lines between church and state. The Archbishop of San Francisco mm, is calling for Speaker Nancy Pelosi to be denied receiving communion because of her pro-choice stance. He's one of the priests who also called for President Biden to be denied sacrament. This is not your job, dude. That is not, you can't, that is not up to you to make that decision. You know, what is the saying? It's kind of amazing. Uh, but 
you know, what is the point of communion, right? It's for uh, sinners. It's the, for, the, for sinners. It's the reward of saints, but the bread of sinners. How dare you? How dare you? That is, if Pope Francis says that that's the issue. But She has so much wrong here. It's not even funny. First off, it's exactly the archbishop's job to do this. And there's no blurring of the line between church and state. The archbishop says she cannot accept communion in our church. It has nothing to do with the state. He's not sending her to federal prison or anything. She cannot take communion in the church. And not only does he cite canonical law, he cites two articles of canonical law that basically say she is breaking church law. The other problem Whoopi has, she sits there and says it is the it is for sinners and it is a reward for uh, the good. Well, yes, except she's got a big problem. For, a couple of problems with that statement. One, is she saying that abortion is sinning? Is she openly admitting right now that abortion practitioners, people who support this, are sinning within the church? Because if she is, that's not a real great pro-abortion stance. The second thing she has a problem here is, yep, but you've got to be apologetic for your sin in order to take the Eucharist. If you're going to sin and you're going to keep sinning, you should be denied the Eucharist. And when it comes to something as serious as abortion with the Catholic Church, don't forget the Catholic Church didn't come up with abortion in 1973 like we did. The Catholic Church has been against abortion of any kind for 2,000 years, or at least 1,000. So this is, this is a stupid statement. If Nancy Pelosi is going to sit back and, well, God forgive me for supporting abortion and then support abortion the next day, she's not, she's not reconciling. And he even says that in his letter. If you reconcile, you can have the Eucharist, but you've got to reconcile. You've got to, you've got to have penance for what you're doing. If you don't, you can't get the Eucharist. That's canonical law. And to be honest with you, canonical law says she can be excommunicated. Now, Nancy Pelosi said, well, she went to church anyway and she got the Eucharist anyway. Guess what? That's excommunication territory. And, and, and trust me, the reason the priests do this, and by the way, it's not just the archbishop. Any priest can do this. If, if John Doe, a Father John Doe at, at whatever church in, in Washington, D.C. does not want to give Nancy Pelosi communion, he can say no. That's why he's called a father. He has authority in the church. It's not just the archbishop. And by the way, Whoopi Goldberg spent four years at a Catholic high school, at the most four years at a Catholic high school. She was born a Baptist. She's now a Jew. What the hell does she know about Catholicism? Uh, honestly, I didn't learn about Catholicism. Uh, until I actually studied it. So I, I didn't learn. I went 12 years to Catholic school. I knew a lot about it, but I didn't know everything about it. I still don't know everything about it. Okay, 
And no one's going to talk about this in the media. So let's let's hit our stories because we we got quite a bit today. One of the things Josie and I are trying to do, and, and this really hit me uh, when I read this last week, is trying to convince Josie's daughter to send her kids to a private Catholic school because Josie and I are Catholics and um, her daughter is a Catholic and we're waiting for her to raise her kids as Catholics. And the idea is we want the kids to have a moral base. We want them to have an understanding of their religion. We want the kids to learn about discipline and actually learn something other than LGBTQ, RSTUXYZ crap, which is what the schools are teaching, or critical race theory, or anything like that. You know, fun stuff like math and English. You know, like I want them to be able to write when they get out of school and get jobs. Fun stuff like that. But Josie's daughter had some reservations. She, she cited, well, she doesn't really want the kids in a Catholic school because she's afraid the kids would be abused because of the um, Catholic Church sex abuse scandal that happened in the 90s and 2000s. I told her she was nuts. I said the public school system is far worse than the Catholic Church ever was. Well, it turns out Fox News found out that, yeah, it's about 100 times worse than the pub- in the public school system than it was in the Catholic Church. According to Fox News, at least 135 teachers and teachers' aides have been arrested so far this year on child sex-related crimes in the United States, ranging from child pornography to actual raping of students. An analysis conducted by Fox News Digital, this is important, looked at local news stories week by week featuring arrests of teachers and teachers' aides on sex-related crimes. In school districts across the country, arrests that weren't publicized were not counted in the analysis. That's important, meaning the true number may be well higher. Mind you, that's 135 this year. And we can jump that up to 136 because a teacher in Virginia was arrested, a woman, was arrested on child pornography laws. That was that was announced in the media too. She was actually spreading child pornography on Snapchat. There's a genius right there. Um, and the reality is you could probably double or triple that number because these are just cases that were announced that local press covered. This has nothing to do with what wasn't covered. People that were caught, but it never made the news media. Or it doesn't concern people that were never caught. Teachers hold a very high level of power. So a lot you can pretty much assume a lot of teachers aren't caught. So this is, let's get into some of the details here. I won't go into too much of the gory detail because there were gory details here. Between January 1st and May 13th, 105 men and 30 women have been arrested for child sex abuse in a total of 41 states. Here are some stats. Uh, at least 102, or 76%, involved alleged crimes against students. Some were just people that weren't actual students. 135 educators included 117 teachers, 11 teachers' aides, and 7 substitute teachers. So here are some of the dirty details. Anthony James Phillips, a 61-year-old former 
middle school teacher at Cupertino Middle School in Sunnyvale, California. Uh, Aggravated sexual assault on a child, forcible penetration with a foreign object, and forcible penetration with a foreign object upon a child. Um, Anessa Page Gower, a 35-year-old former biology teacher at Making Waves Academy in Richmond, California, was charged with 29 counts of child molestation on April 8th. And it goes on and on. You could go to the website and look. I'm not going to keep talking about this stuff. Some of this stuff is really, really just brutal. And this is happening to our kids. And again, this was just what was reported in the media. Fox News did not dig deeper. They didn't go to Virginia where they were actually hiding some of this stuff. They were actually covering this stuff up. And you know school districts are covering things up. So there are cases that didn't make the news. Now, I I do want to make a statement that the news media, especially the New York Times, the Washington Post, they bitch and moan constantly about conservatives saying that all this LGBTQ crap is grooming of kids. They say, well, grooming is for sexual abuse. Now, granted, maybe most teachers aren't grooming kids, but there are some that are. So maybe talking sex with a kindergartner is not something we want, and we're going to call it grooming. I mean, if they're going to call me a racist for voting for Donald Trump, well, then I can say that teachers talking sex with uh, kindergartners and first graders are grooming. All right. Next, let's get into this monkeypox thing. So, the new pandemic is out. Well, according to scientists, it's never going to be a pandemic, but maybe it'll be an epidemic. Well, no, according to the scientists, it's not going to be an epidemic either. It is just not that. In fact, it's probably not even going to affect a lot of people. So far, there have been about 100 cases of this monkeypox thing that's been going around. So, I went over to the CDC, went to a couple of, uh, to a couple of sites to figure out what this monkeypox thing was. Okay, it was, so let's, let's talk about that, and let's talk about why no one should actually panic about this. And, by the way, people are panicking about it. So it's already happening. They're already talking about masks again. I mean, how many times are we going to do this? Joe Biden said it's something we need to worry about. Well, here's here's the reality. Probably not something. I, I know I don't need to worry about. I can tell you that right off the bat. I do not need to worry about monkeypox. Okay, so let's talk about it. So it was discovered in Africa in 1958 when a bunch of laboratory monkeys ended up having it. Uh, the disease actually isn't monkey-based, it's rat-based. Again, it's fleas, it's direct con- uh, contact with rats, it's eating the rats, doing whatever they do with rats. It's found mostly in Central and Western Africa. This is important, because essentially the way this disease is going to travel, it's going to travel via airplane. That's the way it's going to end up in the United States. Right now, Massachusetts has a bunch of cases. There, there, mass, there are cases pretty much everywhere around the world right now because the world has gotten smaller and people are traveling. It is not found in the United States. It, it doesn't actually, all the cases are due to travel. 
so people do not just come up with monkeypox. It's not like Lyme's disease, where Lyme's disease is natural in the United States. The number of confirmed or suspected cases has topped 100 over the weekend, but if you look at the world in large, 100 people isn't a lot. But it was so small that they were able to find out where it was, where it actually came from. So right now, there are cases in Europe, North America, Australia, uh, uh, Belgium, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Netherlands, Portugal, Spain. Spain is is the big place. Uh, Spain and Portugal is where it actually started. Sweden, United Kingdom, and the United States. Uh, essentially, this is the WHO states, the WHO states, World Health Organization, quote, reported cases thus have no established travel links to an endemic area. Based on currently available information, cases have mainly but not exclusively been identified amongst men who had sex with men, MSM, seeking care in primary care and sexual health clinics. So where did this thing come from? Um, It stemmed from a gay bathhouse in Spain and from a gay fetish festival in Spain. And, of course, that also was being celebrated in Portugal, and that's why Portugal has it. This version of the virus seems only to be passed with direct fluid contact, with bodily contact, exchanging fluids, things like that. The old version of the virus, which, by the way, this is the whole thing. They're saying they're not really sure what version virus this is, but they don't think right now it's spread through contact. They don't think if I spit in the, if I talk and I spittle goes in the air, you can swallow this virus and suddenly you've got the virus. So that, that's the whole thing. It, it, right now, it is primarily gay men, it, it, even to the point where the CDC and WHO are saying it's, it's basically a genital disease. So everyone calm the frick down. Unless you're having sex with men in Portugal, you might want to do yourself a favor. Take a couple of weeks off until the monkeypox thing goes away. Then do whatever you want to do. But it also tells you, that's why I'm not worried about getting it. I, I'm in a monogamous relationship. Probably not going to have to worry too much about it. So uh, what is what is it, symptoms? Well, they're flu-like sy- symptoms in the beginning, which includes things like fever, headaches, sore body, uh, back pain, swollen lymph nodes, profound weakness. Uh, the incubation of period, they, it really is kind of wild. It goes from 5 to 20 days, so they're not even sure really. Again, this is such a rare disease. We've known about it for a long time, um, but it's there. It And by the way, and then you end up with like a chicken pox rash-like rash. Actually, it's more of a smallpox-like rash. The kicker with this is it's a less severe version of smallpox. The death rate is between 3 and 11%, but that number is skewed because that number comes from studies in Africa, and Africa doesn't have the healthcare system we do. Some smallpox vaccines do very well with monkeypox. As a matter of fact, uh, the CDC and the WHO both say that if you've got a smallpox vaccine, you probably aren't going to get infected that badly, if at all. So, 
scientists have said that this is just not that type of disease that is pandemic or even epidemic in origin. It won't be endemic because transmission is just way too difficult. And like we said earlier, what we know now, and, and by the way, 100, people, 100 cases, this has been going on now for a month, 100 cases in the last, uh, in the last month, that's not a heck of a lot. The idea is, essentially, don't have promiscuous sex, and if you're a man, don't have promiscuous sex with another man, and you'll be fine. But of course, we can already see Joe Biden is pushing this thing, he's, he's in Asia this week, he sat back and said, yeah, we should worry about, yeah, no, we really shouldn't worry too much about this. Okay, and, and that's probably the only thing I'm going to say about that until uh, until they decide to start masking us up again and kicking our kids out of school because some kid ended up with monkeypox for some particular reason. But right now, there's nothing to worry about. Okay, now I love doing I love doing op eds. I really do because you can sit there and tear apart the left and what they say, but. One of one of the things I do love is when the op-ed comes from a comedian. And this one, this one is from Bill Maher. Now, Bill Maher is a progressive. He's not a leftist, but he's like a Nancy Pelosi progressive. He's a very reasonable guy. Uh, a lot of folks are saying, yeah, welcome to the dark, welcome to the light side, Bill Maher. Welcome to the Republican Party. You know, he's not a Republican. He doesn't, I don't, I disagree with about, I'd say 90% of the things, but he's also extremely funny and he's very reasonable. I think he's funny when he's talking crap about something I don't get. Now, I don't watch him because I don't get HBO, but um, he had a, but he has been known to have very conservative guys on his show and appear on shows with conservatives. So he is a, he's a talker. He does not mind having open debate with anybody. He will he will do it. He's had Thomas Sowell on his show. He's had Ben Shapiro on his show. He's had, uh, on the show that I'm going to uh, show you here with his monologue, he had Adam Carolla on his show. So he, he's, he will have conservative guys on his show. So here he is using reason uh, to destroy the craziness of the left in normalizing and pushing this trans agenda. And the monologue was about 10 minutes long. So I broke it up into smaller second uh, segments so that I can kind of hit certain parts of it. It's really funny. I did have to get rid of some of the sight gags because he does a lot of that. So... Here's, here is the first section. And finally, new rule of something about the human race is changing at a previously unprecedented rate. We have to at least discuss it. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. Now, this is a comedy monologue, but he likes missing facts. He likes mixing facts into his monologues, and he's doing that right here. 
He, what he's saying is absolutely correct. The LGBT fans have been doubling every generation. So he made a joke about us all being gay by 2054. Yeah, that's funny. But the reality is, according to statistics, that's exactly what's going to happen. Now, something he does a lot here, and, and that's a study that's actually been done. They, they do have a study out there. So that it's been done. He's citing that study. Now, he is doing something he does throughout the monologue. monologue. He says, this needs to be discussed. And he does this throughout the monologue. Because the idea is he's touching taboo things here. And, and he needs to make sure. And he'll say this again and again and again. It's not bigoted to want to discuss this. Why is this actually happening? That's a good question in the guise of comedy. And you listen to the people in the background. They're laughing. Yet they're laughs because that audience is progressive or leftist usually. They're laughing. The laughs kind of ease up when his point gets across. Here's the second segment. I'm just saying that when things change this much, this fast, people are allowed to ask, what's up with that? All the babies are in the wrong bodies? Was there a mix-up at the plant? Like with Captain Crunch's Oops All Berries? It wasn't that long ago when adults asked a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? They meant what profession? Okay, that's funny. That's funny. It, it, the re and the whole clip is funny. But notice again, we should discuss this. We need to discuss this. And you could tell right off the bat, when he starts talking about this stuff, he's making jokes. The laughs are getting a little quieter now. That's because the leftists don't like this. They don't like discussing this. Here's the third clip. In the wake of America about to lose abortion rights, the ACLU recently tweeted a list of those who would be disproportionately harmed by this. You would think women might top that list. No, wasn't even on the list. Second on the list was LGBT. Really? Abortion rights affects gay and trans people more than, you know, breeders? <laughs> I'm happy for LGBT folks that we now live in an age where they can live their authentic lives openly. And we should always be mindful of respecting and protecting. But someone needs to say it. Not everything's about you. I, 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 I dig this. The people that really get what he's saying, they're clapping. But again, it seems like the audience is kind of split. All right. It's true. And this is the problem with intersectionality. Your value to society, according to intersectionality, is based on your victimhood level. If you are trans, if you are a trans, lesbian, Native American woman, you stand at the highest level of society. Do you know who's falling, uh, falling from that? Women. Even lesbian women. They're falling way below. And he's right. For some reason, the ACLU is one who actually did the study. Why are they saying, why is everyone saying that LGBTQ people Gay men, trans men, trans women who are actually getting their physical parts cut off 
are actually in danger because abortion might be eliminated in some states. That doesn't even make any sense. That's because they're the highest victim group according to the according to intersectionality. I mean, I, I find it I I find it amazing that they're even in the abortion debate. Most pro-abortion people think a man can get pregnant and they can't define what a woman is. And those are the LGBTQ people. And they have a debate. They have their victims of abortion. They don't even know who can get pregnant. So, okay. Here's the fourth clip. I don't want to waste too much time here. And it's okay to ask questions about something that's very new and involves children. The answer can't always be that anyone from a marginalized community is automatically right, trump card, mic drop, end of discussion. Because we're literally experimenting on children. Maybe that's why Sweden and Finland have stopped giving puberty blockers to kids. Because we just don't know much about the long-term effects. Although common sense should tell you that when you reverse the course of raging hormones, there's going to be problems. We do know it hinders the development of bone density, which is kind of important if you like having a skeleton. <laughs> Fertility and the ability to have an orgasm seem also to be affected. This isn't just a lifestyle decision. It's medical. Weighing trade-offs is not bigotry. Okay, this gets to his point, and this is the part that's hard. In that statement, in that little clip, he said twice we need to talk about this. He said it in the beginning of that clip and he said it at the end of that clip. And the reason is, it is affecting children. And you notice the laughing in the audience, not very hard. They're not laughing hard here. He is making a very strong argument. And a lot of those people believe in this trans crap. That's the problem. Okay, let's get to the next clip. Yet when a book questioning the sudden uptick in transitioning children was released, a trans lawyer with the ACLU named Chase Strangio tweeted, stopping the circulation of this book and these ideas is 100% a hill I will die on. How very civil liberties of him. Chase, by the way, has just been named one of the grand marshals of this year's New York City Pride March, along with three other trans people and a lesbian. Huh, what's missing here? Oh, right, a gay man. <laughs> the audience is very uncomfortable right now. And you can tell they are very uncomfortable. They're clapping because he's right. And they know he's right. But they know he is really on taboo territory. The book he's talking about, by the way, uh, because he showed the graphic, is Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier. And she talks about how girls are being transed out. They're being transed into boys. And she spends the entire book discussing how it's happening. She discusses psychology. She discusses uh, the problems of youth. She discusses the uh, social media. Also, remember when ACLU used to defend people's speech? The ACLU used to defend Nazis. Because they had the freedom of speech to say what they wanted. They defended pornographers. Now they're sitting back and they want to get rid of this stuff? And they'll die on that hill? 
and gay men are, are supposed to be on the gay pride march. There's your problem with intersectionality. Men, whether gay or straight, they're now being seen. Gay men have a little bit more of a victimhood status than straight men, but not by much. The only thing I was surprised by, there wasn't a there they actually had a lesbian in the in the gay pride march because I got news to you, lesbians are not seen as much higher than anybody else. Trans people, they're considered the up the elite. Anyone who just says he's a man, uh, says he's a woman when he's a man, they're considered the highest in victimhood. Yeah, that's the that intersectionality stuff gets kind of old after a while. Okay, let's get to the next clip. That's where we are now. Gay men aren't hip enough to the gay pride parade. <laughs> Compared to trans, gay is practically cis, and cis is practically Mormon. <laughs> and this is a phenomenon we need to take into account when we look at this issue. Yes, part of the rise in LGBT numbers is from people feeling free enough to tell it to a pollster, and that's all to the good. Okay, this was all just funny, but it's also all true. And then he says again in the clip, this is what we need to discuss. Why is this happening? Let's get to the next clip. I think really the monologue, it breaks up into two parts. One, there's something really going on out there and it's dangerous. And two, we need to be able to discuss this because it is going on out there and it is dangerous. We could be ruining a generation of children. Okay. So let's get to the next clip. But some of it is, it's trendy. Penis equals man. Okay, boomer. <laughs> Remember, the prime directive of every teen is anything to shock and challenge the squares who brought you up. It's why nobody gets a nose ring at 56. <clears throat> And if you haven't noticed that with kids, doing something for the likes is more important than their own genitals, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> Dr. Erica Anderson is a prominent 71-year-old clinical psychologist who is herself transgender and who now says, I think it's gone too far. The LA Times summarizes, she's come to believe that some children identifying as trans are falling under the influence of their peers and social media. If you attend a small dinner party of typically very liberal upper-income Angelinos, it is not uncommon to hear parents who each have a trans kid having a conversation about that. What are the odds of that happening in Youngstown, Ohio? If this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? Either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. Everything he said is correct. And it's not just this professor he's talking about. Caitlyn Jenner has said it on Fox News. She said, uh, he, he, she, whatever, has said that, you know, this has gone a little far. People don't understand what he did to become trans. He went through 10 years of psych, psych, psychiatric care before he finally made the decision to do what he did. And he will tell you I'm actually a man in a woman's body. I am a man that has a woman's name. 
he's also right about this being regional. You don't see this in red states. You're going to see this in Oklahoma. You're not going to see this in Florida. You're not going to see this in Texas. You're not going to see this in Nebraska, Iowa, Wyoming, Ohio, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, West Virginia. You're not going to see this. But you do see it in New York, California, Oregon, Washington, Massachusetts. Why is it only certain areas? Could it be the philosophy? Okay, let's get to the next clip. It's like that day we suddenly all needed bottled water all the time. If we can't admit that in certain enclaves there is some level of trendiness to the idea of being anything other than straight, then this is not a serious science-based discussion. It's a blow being struck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder. I don't understand parents who won't let their nine-year-old walk to the corner without a helmet, an EpiPen, and a GPS tracker. (laughs) And God forbid their lips touch dairy. But... (laughs) But hormone blockers and genital surgery? Fine. Talk about a nut allergy. Again, funny, but all true. Abigail Schreier called this, I've read a few books on this. Uh, I'd probably have to post them. But there's something called a group psychosis. We see it with, uh, Abigail points it out with girls, teenage girls who decide they're trans. Um, But another psychiatrist who wrote a book about the pandemic pointed that this group psychosis is why everyone was all paranoid about masks and um, the shots. That's the same thing. So I think we're seeing a lot of that. And it's being propagated through the mainstream media, through social media, for the last five, six years. Parents are also the real problem here. Parents don't just say, no, that's not, not what you are. I think I'm a girl today. No, you're not. You're a boy. Go put your clothes on. You got to go to school. Parents need to, you know, the, the affirming care argument is just, kids need to be told, no, you're wrong. It's like when a kid crosses the street. You want to tell the kid, no, you don't cross the street right in the middle uh, between two intersections. You go to the, you go to the intersection and you wait for the, the light to turn and then you cross. Kids need to be told no. But we're in a society right now where no is, is, I mean, I see this, I see this within my family, where no is just something you don't say. And I know the best kids that, the best kids that I see, they're actually told no. You're not doing that. And that's it. Leftist parents seem to celebrate this, this, crap of letting their kids just do whatever they want to do, thinking they're going to be the, they're not going to grow up brilliant. They're going to have no direction. And we wonder why our kids are staying at home till they're 29, 30 years old. Well, I, I, I blame the parents there. Okay, let's get, we only got a couple more clips. I, uh, I guess penises are gross now, but <laughs> one might come in handy later on. <laughs> And if you're a man who wants to experience life without a pair of balls, you do not have to get surgery. You can get married. I 
And never forget, children are impressionable and very, very stupid. <laughs> Kids don't know why mom drinks every day or why dad has two cell phones. <laughs> Maybe the boy who thinks he's a girl is just gay. Or whatever Frasier was. Maybe the girl who hates girly stuff just needs to learn that being female doesn't mean you have to act like a Kardashian. Maybe childhood makes you sad sometimes, and there are other solutions besides hand me the dick saw. All this is absolutely correct. He puts a twist on it. I've been saying kids are stupid forever. Kids need to be led. They need to be told what to do. Sometimes they'll listen, sometimes they won't. They will have to learn by their mistakes. But genital surgery and puberty blockers, I'm sorry. That is not a way to learn. That is permanent life-changing decisions that a kid just doesn't. And the big question I have is, what difference does it make? Okay, the kid wants to become a, a change their sex at 16. Why can't he wait till 25? Why can't he wait till 21? Why can't he wait till he's an adult? Because the reality is, he, he's right, he's going to say this again. Kids, kids go through phases... Kids' entire lives are phases. He's going to say that in a second. There's a reason kids can't smoke until they're 18. Or they can't um, vote until they're 18. They can't smoke or drink until they're 21. There are reasons for these laws. But we're going to let them change their sex? Mutilate their bodies? Go on hormones that they say aren't permanent, but they really don't know if they're permanent or not. Okay, here's the last clip. And look, I'm sure the vast majority of parents do not take this lightly. And that is very hard to know when something is real or just a phase. And I understand being trans is different. It's innate. But kids do also have phases. They're kids. It's all phases. The dinosaur phase. The Hello Kitty phase. One day they want to be an astronaut. The next day you can't get them to leave their room. Gender fluid. Kids are fluid about everything. If kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. <laughs> I wanted to be a pirate. Thank, Thank God nobody took me seriously and scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. Like I said, I don't agree with Bill Maher in like 99% of the things he says. 95%, maybe 90%, but he's a reasonable guy. And this is an area, I'm glad we're all on the same page. We're all on the same side. And I'm glad he saw it as an important subject enough to bring it up. I'm glad to see that he's brave enough to bring this subject up. Because you could tell a lot of the audience wasn't comfortable with this. Because it's not an uncomfortable subject. This is, this is where cancel culture comes on in. But it is something that needs to be talked about. It is something that needs to be confronted, faced, and we need to figure out how this is going to work. I tell you, in 10 years, 15 years, max 20 years, 
We're going to look back on this and I'm going to say, what in the frick were we thinking? I had thought it would be 100 years. I don't think it's even going to be that long. You can see it's probably not going to be that long. Why? Because you can see the backlash on it already. You got people like Bill Maher, a progressive, who is sitting there and saying, okay, this is insane. That's easily 80% of the population. Bill Maher, where he stands and everybody to the right, that's got to be about 80% of the population. And I don't believe any of these politicians believe any of this crap either. Okay, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com if you want to watch the entire video. Uh, it's great. I've got a bunch of um, links for you to take a look at if you want to learn a little more about the monkeypox. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Yeah.